again to the Word, because we want to be stirred, all right? Just wake your friend next to you, or your neighbor, or your spouse, or whoever, your friend, and just say, come on, wake up, we're going to be stirred right now. We're going to turn to Colossians, and we're on this wonderful journey through this incredible letter, and um, in it we have found so much of value already, and I pray that this morning will be no exception as we discuss a, a couple of things from uh, this incredible letter that Paul wrote to a few believers in a city called Colossae. And so we're in chapter 3, and I'm going to read to you just a few verses, and then we're going to comment on a couple of words from what we have read. So the title of our series is Colossians Jesus Plus Nothing. In other words, we don't add to what Jesus had already done because we can't. We don't take away because Jesus' death on the cross and what he'd done for us is complete. Amen? It's complete. And so this morning we're going to just look at that again. So Colossians 3 um, and verse 7 says the following. In these you too once walked. Just say to your neighbor, you too. Uh, you too. Not you too the band. Uh, you too. All right? You too once walked when you were living in them. But now, say to your neighbor, but now. The middle block is not working together. I don't know what's happening here. I just hear it from the sides. Hey, what's wrong? Uh, <laughs> is it not in your Bible? Just trust me. Just say, but now. Ah, that's better. But now, you must put them all away. These things that uh, we should be pu putting away are, firstly, anger. Wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. It's great places to say amen, by the way. It's like, it's like yeah, way to go, you guys are there. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So we're just going to read these few verses, and then I'd like to comment on the words that stand out for the purpose of our conversation this morning. Our conversation is throughout the book of, or the letter of Colossians. This morning we're stopping at just about four verses or so. The first word that I'd like for us to look at is the word walked or walked. Walk or walk. Paul says in verse 7, in these you two once walked. So he's talking about a life that was before. And the Greek word for the word walk is up here on the screen. It's peripateo, which really means your course of life and your conduct. It's not how you walk, whether you walk with a limb or how you kind of throw your legs around and your feet. It's not the physical way in which we walk. It is the lifestyle we live. And so Paul is saying, come on, you all once, once walked in a certain way. You cannot continue to walk that way any longer. He says, what you used to do ought to change. Lovely word, change. Say it with me, change. Good, it's coming through. Um, so Paul is actually saying, guys, you've got to change. You cannot walk peripateo like you used to walk. And again, this is not about behavior. It's about the lifestyle that we want and ought to live before God. It's not just the simple things we do. It's the passion of our hearts. Jesus ought to be our passion. And that's what we had discussed and found in chapters 1 and 2. What he had done for us and how we ought to live for him. And therefore, my lifestyle has to be in line. It has to be in line with that. Paul actually uses similar words, the word peripateo, in, in um, other places in, um, 
in his letters, and then John also uses it. Let me just quickly read to you one that he uses from Ephesians um, 5 and verse 16. He uses the same word, and he says, um, it's not Ephesians, it's Galatians. Why did I say Galatians? Oh, when I say Ephesians, it should be Galatians. I was just discussing something with myself, so don't worry, you're not involved. Um, Galatians 5, verse 16. Sorry, that was a mistake. It says the following. But I say, Paul's saying, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul is saying, very simply, peripateo, by the Spirit, not like you used to do by the flesh. Don't walk according to the desires of your flesh. He says it's got to come to an end. Because of what Christ has done for us, certain things have to change in our lives. And he reminds us that, hey, you've got to live by the Spirit. The things of the flesh will keep you walking in a certain way. And we will, in a particular way, look at that this morning. Um, but the question we need to actually ask ourselves is just, how is your current walking? Not how do you walk, but how is your current conduct? Is it in line? And again, if you've been with us on this journey, we've gone through chapters 1 and 2, where we've seen what Christ has done for us. And Paul is reminding us, they, guys, this is what Christ has done for you. Adjust your lives accordingly. We're talking about the fruit of the gospel um, as, we, as we carry on in Colossians. And so the fruit of the gospel ought to be in line with what the gospel is all about. Correct? And so when we see what Christ has done for us, we want to adjust our lives accordingly. Paul is saying, come on. You can't walk different to what Christ has offered you, the life that he has called you to live. And so, how is my current walking? It is important for us to take stock of our lives and, and compare it to the magnificence of Christ. You can't compare it to your friend or to somebody out on the TV screen or somebody up here on the stage. You've got to compare your life today to Christ and who he is. And as we see him, we take stock of our lives and say, how does it compare to Christ? Because Paul says, you once walked in your own fertility of mind. You once walked in your own fleshly desires. But he says, but, he says, but peripateo, the way that you need to walk now is in compare, comparison to who Christ is, what he has done. And so each one of us has that responsibility. Not to go out of this and compare one another, one to another, but to compare to Christ. And you see, the, the trouble is that we don't know who Christ is. We don't fully understand what Christ has done for us. So we start comparing to what we know most. And it could often be the lifestyle of another person because we just see it. But the more you see of Christ, the more you have something to compare yourself to. And say, God, I'm falling way short, but by your grace you're helping me. So you have, you and I, we have, to, we have to find and look at Christ constantly. And again, the beauty of the Bible, as Dennis shared it. See who Christ is in the Word. See who He is. Look at Him and compare your life with Him. There's this man that I um, found something about that, that really just helped us explain this. There's a guy called Harry Ironside. I don't know who he was, but he wrote the following. He says, the old man... That is how we used to live. That is how we used to walk. 
is more than just the old nature. It is the man I used to be before I knew Christ as Savior and Lord. In other words, the old man is all that I once was as an unsaved person. I am through with that man. That's the old man. He has disappeared in the cross of Christ. But if I make this profession of faith today, let me be sure that I do not walk in the old man's ways. Sometimes those who make the loudest professions of the truth of the new creation are the poorest performers. Stop there. Eh? Sometimes those of us that make the loudest profession of the truth, hey, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. Sometimes those people are the poorest performers of the truth. They give the lie to what they say by what they do. And he uses another quote from a guy called Ralph Waldo Emerson. I don't know if it's up there. Yeah. He says, we could borrow the words of this guy. Listen to that, that quote. What you are thunders so loud that I cannot hear what you say. How's that? So Paul is actually in the light of Ephesians 3 verse 7 where he says, you used to walk, you used to pray pateo in a certain behavior. He says, stop it. You cannot be that anymore. You've got to be who Christ says you are and what he has made you to be. You cannot let what um, you are thunder so loud that what you say is overpowered by what you are. And it's actually the truth because our lifestyles or to be louder than what we say. But you've got to line them up. Your lifestyle and what you say you are has got to line up. Sometimes we say something and we are somewhat a bit different. I had a conversation this week with someone who's not a believer. Spoke to me about not coming and, and, and um, kind of you know, being a nuisance and carrying news about somebody. But this unbelieving person spoke about the actions of a believing person. That she said, well, this one says that they are so-and-so. But what they live is louder than what they say. And I realized, gee, this is tricky, hey? To help people understand out there in the world that we as believers also are not perfect. Uh-huh. You agree with me? But yet this person is an unbeliever, trying to, not even trying to find faith, actually quite ignorant and, and resistant of faith. And she's um, saying to me, listen, but um, I see the actions of this supposed um, Christian so contrary to what they say they are. I'm like, oh gee, how do I explain that? Like, I'm just sorry. You make mistakes. And so an unbeliever came, not came and you know, kind of ran and said, oh, I'm going to tell you something. No, just a normal conversation. She said, I can't understand this. doesn't make sense that the actions are so loud, it's louder than what they say they are. And the world sees that. This is not even a Christian saying, oh, I deserve. <laughs> it's people out in the world that are saying, you believers are so different to what you say you are. The world says that. So Paul comes. In the light of this, he says, but now, so with me, say with me, but now. That's a, 
the next thing that we've got to look at, Paul says, but now because of this, because of this discrepancy, because of this thing that it's not lining up to the beauty and the magnificence of Christ in your life, he says, but now, stop it. Stop it. He says, but now, you must put them all away. And we can understand that it signifies a contrast. In other words, our new contact needs to be, our conduct needs to be in accord with the great truths we have learned from God and His Word and not dissimilar to it. We cannot say one thing and, and supposedly believe in it and live something else over here. It's got to be connected. What we say we are, it's got to be supported by the lifestyle we live. And that is a challenge for all of us. Whatever area of life. The things that we'll look at are, are the things that we verbally say and do, but it cuts across every area of our lives. So Paul says, but now, in other words, our new conduct needs to be in accord with the great truths. Our conduct needs to give testimony of who we are and whose we are. Who we are and whose we are. Remember, we don't walk around with a label on our foreheads. None of you have that this morning. Some of you have bigger foreheads than others. Some of you I can't see anything on your forehead. But none of you are walking around with a label that says, I'm a believer, you know, or Christian, follower of Jesus, born again, 90, whatever. It's just your foreheads are clear. If you had that on your forehead, then it would have put you under pressure. But there's something that you do walk around, and that is a testimony. If Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you've submitted to Him. You've signed your life away and said, Lord, my life belongs to you. You've said that to Him, which is most often a private thing. But the public manifestation of that needs to line up with what we privately decided to do and people ought to see that and we're not trying out to impress people we just got to go live out who we are and whose we are whose are we we are his my life belongs to him and so i go and i live out that life i belong to him and then Paul says, in the light of this, your old form of conduct, that's how peripate, how you used to walk. Now you've got to put away those things. And he says, well now, but now is the time that you've got to do something. He says, what do you do? You put away. And then that's what he says in verse 8b. He says, but now. Say with me now. There's always a good thing when we read now. Because it speaks right into the now. So now, not tomorrow, not one day. Not, well, I'll go think about it. If Christ is Lord of my life and there are things that I need to put away, when is the time? Now. He says, put away. He says, you've, been, you've had an old nature that should not be alive in you. Louis, you can get ready. That's just a thing that nobody else should have heard. All right. He says, you have an old nature that should not be alive in you. If it still is, then do the following, Paul says. Put away. He says, guys, if, you, if you've once walked, we all once walked in this old nature. He says, if it's still alive in you, put it away. 
Because the new nature of Christ is supposed to have taken form in you. If any of these things are still there, put it away, he says. And by the way, these are not passive words. Put away means I do something, isn't it? He said earlier on, and we talked about it last week, he used these words in verse 5, put to death. Get rid of it. Don't play around with it. Put to death. Put away. Make enemies of such traits in your life. If it's there, if you recognize, this is actually stuff of the old life. Before I met Christ and before I started following, these things remind me too much of that. They speak louder than what I say I am. Ooh, ooh, I don't like that. Or we come with an excuse, well, that's just who I am. I've always been like that. My dad was like that. My mom was like that. So I mean, just, ah, I'm just going to be like that too. Or I can't change anything. No, no, Paul says put to death. Put away. Get rid of it. Kill it. Don't carry on living with it in your life. He uses these words, again, the last Greek word, apothetemi, which really means to renounce, to lay off, to stop with something you used to do. Strip it off. Getting rid of it. That's, that's serious. Amen? So don't, don't, don't accommodate it. Can't make a friend of our enemy. And that's often what happens, is that we have the wrong friends. And I'm not talking about physical friends. And below us. We make of the enemy a friend. Where he's supposed to be, there. And God is encouraging us that in our correct and godly response to this beautiful gospel. You read chapters 1 and 2 and you see the beauty of the gospel. And in response to the beauty of the gospel, I say, God, I don't want anything that's contrary to that in my life. I want to put it to death. I want to put it away. And what happens is the following. Louis, could you come up here, please? Is that when we live our lives in terms of this old nature and the new nature, we so often don't put to death, don't get rid of the old nature. And the old nature is the following. Just show us. We, we clothe ourselves with this stuff that makes us really look good. Hey? Jeez. <laughs> what? I'm way to go. You're so good at this. I love it, hey? I'll just let him stand there. It's like a living application. No, but seriously, when, when, before we become born again, and we live our lives with the desires to fulfill our own fleshly longings, this is, this is a reflection of the old nature. It's old clothes that we wear. And we, we, this is a ragged thing that you try to put around you. You try to make it look better. And geez, I don't know what I'm going to do over here. Okay, maybe just cover that a bit. Um, but the point is, nothing that I can physically do to him right now will make this look better. The only thing that we can do is just put the jacket on. And we walk around like this with the old nature still very evident prominent but nobody of you know that not, none of you knew what he had on before you came up oh some his wife and his children did <laughs> but none of you knew that and so what we do is we live a life like this and it's hey the outside is it's quite acceptable isn't it 
Yeah, should have shaved him a little bit more this morning, but anyway. Point is that he's, he's, re he's presentable in this format, isn't he? You can go like this into wherever. I mean, you're in, in, in a church meeting, and it's all okay. But beneath all of this is that. And we become content to live with this. And Paul says, hey, this doesn't line up with the gospel. This is not what the gospel is about. The gospel has come to cleanse us from, of this and rid us completely of it. But he says there's certain traits in you. He's not talking to the church in Colossia, right? He's saying, guys, there's wrath, there's anger, there's malice, there's slander. You're lying. You, you just, and then he talks about the sexual stuff even before that too. He said, guys, this is prominent in the believers' lives. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to us. So he's saying, you try to cover up all of this by wearing the outer mask. <laughs> Look at him. He says, flash. I'm not part of the... I didn't tell you to do it. Anyway, and so what, what we're out for is a lifestyle that will say, God, I don't want to live with this stuff in my life. Now pluck it. Is it? Thank you very much. You can go sit down. Give him a hand. Let me, let me read to you, because Scripture is so powerful. We've got to let Scripture speak to us. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, we read something very similar, where Paul is saying we need to put away. Here the author of the book of Hebrews says to us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. He saw that t-shirt that clung to him. And that's the kind of life that we often live. We live with this stuff around us. You know what? You can cover it up, but it's the thing closest to you is that old ragged clothing, that old nature. And Paul says, put away the stuff. It's not worth living with it. Nobody starts a race with excess clothing. You go down and do sport or whatever it is, you don't go out there with your, you know, best. I'm wearing that. You go out with whatever is comfortable for you to be able to accomplish. And we cannot run this race of our faith in Christ Jesus with excess stuff on our lives. And a t-shirt like that just resembles something of it. That there's excess. That God says, put it away. Get rid of it. And so what is this stuff? Let's just quickly go through that. Firstly, we see in verse 8, Paul clearly, clearly um, telling us what these things ought to be. He says, put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying. So in this context, that is what Paul is saying. This is, these are not the only things, but this is very relevant, thank you very much, for us in where we are. So I've just given you some notes on this so that you can just see what they are, and thank you very much for that. And the first word is, is the word anger, which is the Greek for orge, which is a deep, smoldering, resist, resentful bitterness. It's not just, ah, I got angry because my team lost. Now, this is something much deeper. It's a deep, smoldering, resentful bitterness. It looks like this. 
and we cover it up. But it's there. Paul says, put it away. I want to say it's the settled attitude of anger in the heart of a person. And it just needs something to trigger it. Somebody quoted this. It says, add one letter to anger and see what you get. You add D and you get something that's out of place. So anger, that is the settled attitude. I just allow it. Just there, it's resentful. Somewhere from bitterness or whatever it may be, it has started settling in my life. And the moment it is triggered, it becomes a dangerous thing. So anger that is not dealt with, that is not put away, that is not taken off from our life. If you wreck, I'm not talking about. We get. When last did I get angry against him? No, yesterday. Hey. I'm not talking about things that, you know, we just, there's a good anger too, where we're like, God, we, we have an anger against the, how you are treated and how your name is treated, but we do not fight people over it. It's just, there's a holy anger against it. So I'm talking about an anger that, that is not controlled, that destroys, that's very destructive. And so Paul talks about that. Anger that is not under control becomes something that causes harm. And is against that what the Bible talks about. So when anger becomes a settled condition in our hearts, it usually comes with a desire for revenge. Question is, is anger settled in your heart this morning? And I guess the people that we should ask that question is actually not ourselves, but the people that deal with us mostly. Because they can tell us for sure. Isn't it? So the challenge is to go and ask somebody that's close to you. Is anger really settled in heart? The second thing that he talks about is the word wrath. And, and the Greek word here is thrumos, which is actually a sudden um, expression of anger. It's when anger rules over us, it can lead us to outbursts of anger or outrage, which is where wrath comes in. Wrath or thumos is the sudden outburst, while anger or orga is the more lasting in nature. So you have, you have this anger in your life, but suddenly there's a thumos moment where wrath comes out, and you just express it to people, and you say things, and you do things that destroy, because that settled thing in your heart, this clothing that we've been wearing, actually then comes out. True colors. So when we talk about that in life, how we see his true colors, how we've been hiding. A nice jacket covered it. Hey, but when that thing is sparked, when you get to a certain place, when sudden, when people push in before you in the border post, la 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 la. True colors. Because there's something in your heart that just comes out. That's wrath. And word, the next one is malice, which is the w Greek word kakia. Oh, it sounds interesting. A mean-spirited or, or vicious attitude. Kakia, let's call it like that. Um, it's a mean-spirited or vicious attitude that we have. And Paul is speaking to believers, eh? He's not talking to the world out there. It says it's a desire to harm people with the accompanied joy which is often hidden behind good actions. Paul is talking to believers in a church. And he says there's, there's malice in your heart. You're wearing something. And every now and again it seems like it comes out that you want to bring harm to people. 
It's like, no way, is that the believers? No, that stuff belongs out there in the world. It's like mafia stuff. He says, no, but you wear it. You try to cover it, but it's actually there. Some interpret this to be that vicious or mean nature which is bent on doing harm to others. Can you believe it? Could that be found amongst us? Where this actually become louder than what we say we are? Where the old nature is still so evident? Next one he uses is the word slander. The Greek word here is blasphemia. Or speech that insults or degrades. It's the utterances of false charges or misrepresentations which defame, belittle or damage another person's reputation and cause them to fall into disrepute or shame. The attempt to try and tear down another individual through your words. This is where we get the word blasphemy from and is most often relevant when we speak against God. Uh, often we hear, don't blaspheme against God, that's blasphemous. Ain't Hey, we, we do that against people. James 3 verse 9 says, With our tongue we bless our Lord, and with the same tongue and mouth we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So, so different. Everybody's all holy and serious. Oh, no, I shouldn't blaspheme God, you know. That's not right. But then we say with the same mouth stuff against people that are blasphemous and slander or hurting. God says, you... You shouldn't have that stuff in your life. You should put that away. Guys, this is the reality of Scripture, right? Now, we all come, we want to be blessed, and, and we want to find hope in Him, but there's a reality of we, we can't live with this stuff hidden underneath other things and, and, and pretend to be believers and be all holy, and there's a lifestyle that's contrary. He carries on. He says, uh, you've got to avoid these things, and that is obscene talk from your mouth. Now, again... It's this is abusive speech, which is a Greek word, wonderful, eischrologia, which is to be foul-mouthed or filthy or dirty speech. You often find that when men say, are there ladies around? Okay, then I can say the full thing. As though that will make a difference now. It's not justified because there's no women around. Funny thing is often when we go to weddings and uh, we sit at a table and, and I would be perhaps the only, well, um, I would not be known to the people. I just did the ceremony and um, I was uh, the pastor, the reverend, and, uh, and, and we end up at a table with strangers around us and they're like, oh, no. Oh, my goodness, Dick, who sits with us? <laughs> yeah, I found that. Ah, many times we've had that. You feel like, man, I'm loved. I'm so happy to be at this wedding. <laughs> <laughs> lovely and you can see them like oh. now we got in our because in, in the culture that I'm from in our Afrikaans culture when there's and our, our word that we use for a reverend is domini don't use that Bob that's not um, allowed okay anyway so they would say oh the domini is at our table so now now they're supposed to be you know um, proper in how they speak because the guys are like, man, it's a wedding. We're going to have fun. We're going to drink. And like, oh, well, they're doing this on our table. It's like the heaviness sits on them. And I'm like, yeah. 
No, I don't dribble in it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> anyway, I think it's sad that, that we live in a world where there's such obscene talk. I'm not just talking about positive talk and negative talk. I'm talking about obscene talk. That's what Paul is talking about here. It's like, guys, this stuff that is, is like noise pollution. Huh? We often uh, are against air pollution, all the smoke and stuff that are happening around us at this time. Oh, that's disgusting. But uh, do we carry the same disgust for obscene talk in our lives? Not in the others. It's us. Talking to us, all right? This is not go out and find people that are obscene in the way they talk. It's us. We've got to take this and take it off, put it away. The last thing that he talks about is lying. It's kind of like feels, ah, oh, this is kind of like safer ground. The other stuff was like serious. No, lying. No, no. doesn't change anything. It is compared to this old nature, which for us, as those that live according to the new nature, there's no space for lying. There's no room for it. Greek word is soi domai, which really means to cheat, to defraud, to falsify. And often these things are done to make us look better or others look bad. We lie. <laughs> We talk evangelistically. We often say in church times, like how many people were at the meeting? Oh, probably about 300. It just makes me feel good when I can say 300, but actually it was like 30. Often, often when I'm in the circles of people that do the similar thing that I do, which is involved in church, they ask you, so where are you from? Uh, what do you do? Uh, where's your church? Well, they would know that I'm in church. So where's the church? No, it's in Bulaway. So the next thing they ask is, so how big is the church? I mean, this is the moment where you're like, which meeting should I now use? Should I use that one meeting where we gave cake to everybody and the whole neighborhood arrived? It's kind of like, like 300 people or was it just that one Sunday when it was so cold that everybody stayed underneath the duvets and we're like, 100. So which one am I going to use? Because whatever one I use will make me look good, isn't it? <laughs> but it's this stuff that I'm still wearing. I'm covering it up with a tie and a jacket. But it's still there. Paul says, there's no space for this kind of life. There's no space for this in our lives. My life, our lives. So he says, put it away. I want to ask you this morning as we close. What do you need to put away? What in your life looks like this still? And we've given you about six particular examples this morning in terms of, let's call it verbal sins. Last week we spoke about sexual sins. There's all sorts of stuff. And I'm not yet trying to, to highlight sin. I'm trying to highlight a righteous life. And according to Colossians 1 and 2, God has called us to enter. He's just saying, whatever does not correspond or is dissimilar to who Jesus is and what he has called you to live, take it and throw it off.